Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. All right, here we are again, Tony. What's going on, man? Here we are again. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> What's happening in your I, life? Um, lots of stuff, but nothing productive. Uh, I took up golf towards the end of this year, and it's been not that great for me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not very good, but it is nice to see some improvement. So that's been cool. But on the business front, a lot of spinning wheels, not a lot of productivity right now. So mm. that's never good, but necessary evil when you get into certain situations. So that's where I am. How about you? Uh, yeah, not playing golf. Very happy that I'm not. And uh, yeah, we're making a little bit of progress with our. We're in the process of looking for deals, and I'm learning what it's like to uh, call strangers and ask them to sell me their house. So <laughs> it's going yeah, okay. Yeah. Door to door knocking, probably not the best strategy for COVID times. Yeah. Not doing that. I understand why people send mail though. <laughs> they don't want to be yeah. told to go to hell. So yep. Yep. Makes sense. Well, today we actually have somebody calling in and uh, they like when you make up names. So they've requested that we uh, that you make up a name and uh, they have a question about how to expand their portfolio and then uh, we'll roll into Florida tenant. So actually, why don't we start with Florida tenant? Sure. So we have uh, a Florida tenant. Let's call him Richard. He was young and out of college and he was a nice enough guy. Uh, I have a, the person says they have a decent sized backyard, grill in a pool. And we actually spent the entire summer hanging out in the backyard. Fall comes and Richard says that he wants to repaint his living room. He asked me if it's okay and I say sure. And he will paint it himself if I buy the paint. Sounds like a good deal to me. So I pick out a neutral color. I'm happy he has decent taste and uh, drop off the paint and expect him to get going. About a week later, I get a call from Richard in the middle of the night. I was in bed with my wife and he says he's having problems with the paint and asked if I could come help. At that point, I was wondering what was going on. So what the heck? I went upstairs to go see what was going on. Uh, I hear music blaring from his apartment. The door is open. I knock. He doesn't respond, so I walk in. There's Richard, completely naked, fully erect, with the paint roller in his hand, dancing to the song Goodbye Horses. <laughs> I told him to put I don't a- know that song. Me neither. I told him to put a tarp down. He was getting paint on the hardwood floors and left. <laughs> Nice. That's good. Sounds like Richard thought you were becoming more than friends. Yeah, I guess he didn't notice. I think that I think that we need to find the song "Goodnight Horses" and put it in right right here. Yeah, we'll pop it right in the episode. We'll use it for bingo bango. We'll use it for the outro today. Set the mood, just like uh, Richard did. Anyway, how do you like? So anytime you go in a tense unit, you usually announce yourself, right? Like, did this person not yell up their stairs, or do you think this is what Richard intended all along? Oh, I mean, for sure, right? You don't say, "Hey, come upstairs." I don't. Know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean, Richard was hatching a master plan to to uh, cuck- yeah. cuckold his landlord <laughs> or something. 
I don't know. Is that is that, that word's not appropriate. Now we're going to get the little E next to our podcast name. Oh, yeah? Um. Anyway, yeah, always announce yourself. Um, Actually, and we just got mail. Cabinet Jackson dropped us as a sponsor. What? <laughs> <laughs> Too explicit. Yeah, okay. We're not family friendly. Good thing we still have, um, what was our other sponsor? Elasticizers. Elasticizers is still on board. We have so many. Can't even keep track of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, so, so uh, short advice from this like ludicrous situation, announce yourself when you go in. If you hear loud music, don't just like start walking around the apartment. Probably uh, try to avoid walking into naked people. I, I've been bit by three dogs so far. However, I have never seen a naked person in a house or an apartment. So I'd take that as a small victory. Yeah, uh, me neither. <laughs> Good luck yeah. with this one. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, switching gears. The dude. Yeah. Transitions. Uh, let's jump into our question here. Okay. More serious question. I'm going to leave this voicemail and hopefully Tony can make up my name and where I live because I like her at work. My question is, uh, if you have a portfolio, let's say you have 15 units, um, you're at about 6-7% LTV and all commercial loans over a whole building. When they say you're about making refinance with a major rate between now and say one next year, refinance allows open equity to go ahead and that up property. One would think that's the way that ban your portfolio. Um, and I'd like to understand how you guys think, how do you get from a 10 or 15 doors, how do you get up to 150 feet to refinance for about 10 years and continue to harvest that open equity? I'd really like to know that. Thank you. I love you guys. All right. So just to All summarize, right. has 10 units trying to get to roughly 10 times that to 100 and is asking about what's kind of the best way given that it sounds like there's 67% LTV, roughly. It's a pretty specific number to be rough. Uh, and uh, what are your thoughts, Tony? You're missing the most important part of the whole question here. We were given the opportunity to make up this dude's <laughs> name and where he's from, which oh, is yeah. far more important than any of the nuts and bolts here. And I'm going to say he's Giuseppe from Pusitano, Italy. And he moved here as a young child. And now he lives in, uh, we'll call it Pittsburgh, Louisiana. I don't even know if there is a Pittsburgh, Louisiana, but there is now. So that's I that. It. I like it. Um, so Giuseppe, he goes by Sep for short. Um, anyway, so his really his main question here is like, how do I grow? How do I expand? And he's saying that he has equity to tap into. However, he's wondering if he should tap that equity or just find another way to grow. So number one here is he's saying it's a smaller portfolio. So I'm assuming it's smaller buildings. So the number one thing is that if he wants to scale to a very large portfolio, it's going to be a lot easier to do that with larger buildings than it's going to be to do with smaller buildings, at least over a shorter period of time. So I think that number one is going to be like selection of property type. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, can you tell me why though? Yeah. So every building that you acquire is going to take so much of your time and work. So it's like not even just leveraging the operations of a property, mm -hmm. but leveraging your time to acquire them. Every single family home you try to buy is going to take so much time, so much energy, all those different things. Whereas if you buy like a 10 unit building, it's going to be only one activity for each of those steps so the lev like your personal time being leveraged is gonna get you to your portfolio size a lot faster it's just less hassle less 
work, right. less loan applications, less everything. So it's not a gigantic pain in the ass, that sort of thing. Um, so that's the first point of this. He also mentioned that he is, what, 67%, roughly, roughly, uh-huh. yeah. LTV, right? Like, so he's got 33% equity in his portfolio to play with. That's kind of what we're looking at, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions like a refinance, but I mean, I don't know how much the portfolio is worth, but there's really not that much equity there to refinance, right? I mean, you're looking at best case scenario, if they're single family homes, you're looking at like 13% of the value in equity to pull out, which might buy you, I don't know, one or two more buildings, but it's not going to get you to 100. So um, I, I also don't like tapping into the equity when there's not a ton of it because you just keep leveraging yourself higher and higher and it's nice to take that out and redeploy it but at the same time I think that it's better to wait till you have a much stronger equity position like say 50% before you start like eating your profits basically that sort of thing or at least if your cash flow is healthy enough that you're making money to cover your bills because if he taps that equity his loan's going to go up his portfolio is going to get tighter in operation so that's gonna have to be a conversation there the easiest way to grow this though is i mean maybe i just say it's the easiest because it's kind of what what i've done but he already has like a proof of concept here how many units did he say he had now uh i heard 10 to 15 something like in that range for sure so he very clearly has like a track record. So I think at this point, he's going to want to either raise private debt to buy buildings and then do the burr strategy on them, even on like larger buildings, or just get get into it with partners that are interested in real estate investing, but are maybe too afraid to do it on their own. Like I, we were just talking before about how, oh, you know, you mentioned if I only have like three buildings, you feel like that's a small portfolio. However, that three buildings is way more than almost everyone who's interested in real estate investing because so few people pull the trigger because they're afraid of one thing or another. So where you are right now, the the person asking the question, 10 to 15 units, you have experience to leverage. So, and then you can use that experience to partner up with somebody who has money, but is too afraid to take the leap because they don't have the experience. So you can use, you know, your backgrounds, your track record of success, all of those things as a way to get to get moving without your own money. Because I'm assuming the point of this question is because he's out of cash and he still wants to grow. Right. That seems a very fair assumption. Um, and then I guess just from kind of tying this in, would you would you ever recommend that they sell some of their current portfolio and consolidate it into some of these higher unit count deals? If he only has 67% LTV, then there's not even a lot, like a ton to gain on the sale. I mean, he could 1031 exchange or something, but it comes down to the same question of refinancing. I would rather see a lot more equity gain before I made that decision than something closer to like 67% unless he ha- unless he has something that he's like targeting for some sort of exchange or something but the problem with the 1031 exchange if you haven't already started thinking about like possible buildings is that you have that window that you have to identify a new property so if you just sell and get money and you don't have anything you're thinking about already then the issue becomes like you're on a you know you're on a tighter timeline you might force yourself to take a not as great deal mm-hmm. just to get it to 
to get it done because ultimately the goal here is to get great good and great deals um and if you already have good and great deals then you don't want to sell them off to get average deals makes sense makes sense so okay and 1031 exchange is essentially where you can sell your properties and then you you're not going to pay the uh, capital gains right because i'm going to reinvest them into a bigger larger property uh but so my takeaway from your perspective is you like to see 50 percent ltv and that's where you you get a little more excited about refinances rather than 67 percent um yeah and it also depends on your model i'm just saying like i would like there to be a lot of spread before mm-hmm. even think about this because at 67%, I can't imagine there's like a ton of money in that spread that he's really capturing. You know, it doesn't need to be 50%. I would just say it would have to be a significant amount of money to make it worth it. Yeah. And the, uh, I guess the math you're doing there is at, at most you're going to get 80% LTV on a refinance, cash out refinance. Yeah, most likely. Um, so it sounds like you're essentially recommend re- recommending some some combination of partnerships and hard money, private debt, essentially, and then with that money, uh, do commercial verse. Yeah, five units or more. Yeah. All right. I mean, all that makes sense to me. I have no idea how to do this SEP, so I'm going <laughs> to defer to Tony's advice here. Giuseppe. But uh, sponsored by Rigatoni. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully it's nice in Louisiana and uh, let us know what you decide. If you're in Louisiana and you want to find private debt, how do you? How would you do that? I'm not from Louisiana. Yeah, but if you were, how would you do it? So if you're if you're anywhere and you're trying to find private debt, so when I say private debt, I'm not really talking about like um like there's private lenders, there's hard money, there's like whole industries built around this like concept. However, the best private debt you're going to find is through your own network. So you basically, you have a track record, so it makes it easier for you. So you basically just want to go to people that you know that have some money and then just start networking with them and presenting them with the concept of like, hey, I'll, you know, I'll give you 8% returns on your money as like a lender relationship. Would you be interested in that? And obviously you don't just like pop out of the blue. This Anytime you have these kind of conversations, it should be relationship driven so that they already trust you before you just like go hit up all your friends for money but you know if you work into it over time those are going to be your best lenders not like somebody you find on the internet or some hard money lender or whatever it's going to be like just some person that you know that's wealthy that will lend it and people might say like well i don't have wealthy friends and it's one of those things where like just because your best friends aren't wealthy doesn't mean that you don't know people who have money to lend. I mean, it could be anybody that you do business with. It could be people just, you know, that you might not have a great relationship with, maybe build a relationship with those people, that sort of thing. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. Everybody should know at least somebody who has some money. Like you go to a car mechanic, you take your car to the shop. Well, if you go to the same mechanic regularly, I'm sure that mechanic has some extra extra cash from doing work or something like that. And business owners usually have money that they could be investing. So I don't know, just look at your network critically and then see, think about like who might be a private lender to me and then approach those people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I tried to raise money, I was essentially just going around and uh, I was, it wasn't real estate, but it's essentially the same process and was just saying, 
you know, I've had success in this other area and I think now it's probably time to take it to the next step. So for you, it'd be, you know, I've got 15 doors. I think I'm ready to do the next step. Uh, this is why I'm very excited about what this next step is. And I wouldn't even ask like for the money at all. I would just share the, the excitement. And if you put right. that out through your friends, that will start to reverberate because you're basically going to be saying like, you know, I'm doing like much better than the stock market and I'm just excited to do this next big thing. But, you know, I'm going to need some help. Yeah, you know, that would be like the most direct I would even get with it. Right. And I, I agree with that entirely. Like it shouldn't be a direct conversation. You just kind of share what you're doing. And then, like I said earlier about partners, there's so many people that are interested in real estate investing, but so few people actually pull the trigger. People might even just like, the more you do this, the more people just ask like, hey, yeah, if you need money for your next project, just let me know. I just want to like learn from you. And if you're at 15 units, like you have enough units that you should probably know what you're doing by now. So you're going to have people that are interested in what you're doing now that you started to have some success and it should be not incredibly challenging to raise money at that point yeah yeah sounds about right to me all right well i think we already recapped it but you know in general it sounds like you're recommending some kind of partnership whether that's with debt or with uh like a, a true partner uh, go after some bigger units and then sounds like you don't feel like there's there's just not enough meat on the bone right now for this refinance or, or, or even really a 1031. Right. I just don't know where it's really even going to get him even if he does it, you know. So that's that. But yeah, let's jump into the outro then. <laughs> Done. So Tony. Those duties again. Oh, what can I say? You um, you want to share what you learned this week? Yeah, sure. So one of the things that I was reminded of this week is just like how important it is to maintain a pretty good um, reputation, not to let success of one deal or one interaction trying to win get uh, past you. And then also just to like not see every relationship as just a business opportunity. So like make sure that you're networking, not selfishly. Um, reason being that it's good to stay on good terms with people um, so that they know who you are before you meet with them. I have a situation on a property that I am the listing agent that I can't really go into too many details, but the tenants are like crazy. They hired a lawyer <laughs> to sue or not sue, but I don't even know what their end game is. That's part of the confusion here, but they're just making things difficult. And I am trying to sell the property and I'm basically between the management company and the tenants still trying to do my job and it's excessively challenging. And they sent me a letter from their attorney about stuff and I recognized the attorney on the letter as someone that a person that I had networked in the past with um, is his wife. And I just emailed him and said like, hey, you know, can I talk to your wife about this because we just need to like work it out. And I set up a conversation with her and I'm expecting that conversation to go fairly well because they know me as somebody that's like, I'm not going to stick my neck out if I don't actually have a reason to. So that conversation is going to get approached rationally whenever everything else between the management company and the tenants is not being handled rationally. It's just like emotional and stupid. So if I didn't have that relationship, then there wouldn't even be an out or a possibility of an out for me in this situation and my customer in the, in the end, because like I'm trying to resolve it for him so that he can sell his property and hopefully end up on the better side of things. But same thing, like if I had a bad reputation or was like a crazy person or something, then she probably wouldn't even be willing to talk to me, you know? So it's useful to maintain good relationships and have that thing because you can get more done than if you do the opposite. Yeah. Nice. It takes a long time to build your reputation, but super valuable once you 
got it. But always be thinking about it because it's one of those things like what's the uh, the overused phrase? It's like it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but like five minutes to smash it. Yeah, that's a Buffettism. Um, yeah, for me, uh, we actually talked about this a while back on the show uh, about sourcing off-market deals. And you actually said, just write letters. Uh, so we've been doing that. We have a very small area we're trying to buy our next property in and uh, tried the letter writing strategy, explained a little bit of the why we're trying to buy the property. You know, basically trying to get enough so that my wife can be a full-time property manager, spend time with our growing family and not work. And, you know, explained we live on this street. We want to continue to live in this area. And uh, actually got somebody who's been approached by a couple flippers and other people already, uh, but they're willing to basically like work with us because they just like us and we have a compelling narrative. So uh, it was just a good lesson and like kind of understanding how you fit into the market. You know, like we're not going to, we don't have the most cash, you know, we don't have the most experience, you know, we're slightly more hassle than these other people, but this person's at least willing to kind of work with us because they used to live in the house and that's where they kind of raised uh, their son sort of a thing. So uh, just kind of understanding like what is your draw to the per- perspective uh, buyer seller, I think super important. Yeah, that's great. Have you, um, so your letters, are you like handwriting them, sending them out or? I do. Um, and the way we I actually learned this trick from <laughs> like a magician. So I, I write the letters on like a small yellow piece of paper. Uh, it's like a legal notepad. I forget how big it is, but it's like four by six inch. It's not a full page. And then at the end of the note, I have like a quote unquote script and I leave, I saw your property at, and I basically leave like all the blank for stuff that I would fill in at the end of a line. So if it's a long street or whatever, I can kind of slot the address and uh, other relevant details into the script without it looking uh, super formulaic. So that's been uh, very successful, I think, so far too. That's cool. So are you like just scanning your handwritten letter and then... No, I just write like three a night. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I don't, uh, there, there are some like ballpoint marketing companies that will actually physically write it for you, but yeah, that's what we did. We, um, we wrote, well, we didn't hire somebody, but we just wrote the letter by hand and then did a really high quality scan of it. And I just tried it over and over and over until I got a copy that looked like it was actually from an ink pen. Mm-hmm. And then I just wrote a little bit lighter with the pen so that it matched the scan in the name and the address field. So it was like a handwritten letter with the script, but I didn't have to write it out every single time. Yeah, that's so, nice. So that works. You might experiment with that if you have like a good printer handy. I was still working in an office at the time and we had like a really high quality <laughs> printer. So I just sort of uh, scooped that. But yeah. But yeah. yeah. So anyway, this has been a longer episode. So let's get to the sponsor, which is Rigatoni. Or I don't know if we have another another sponsor. But yeah, uh, brought to you by Olive Garden. Come in for the new pasta nachos, uh, sponsored by the Be Free RE podcast. So we <laughs> nice. go to Olive Garden. Uh, be sure to apply promo code Pizza Nachos. <laughs> And, yeah, they won't look at you weird at all because it's totally, totally legit. You'll get no percent uh, coupon code. Anyway, where they, where can they call us for questions? Uh, so you can reach us on the internet. We're at BeFreeRE on Instagram. 
uh, Tony, you're at 412 Agent. And then 412-212-8366 is our number. Uh, give us your name and location or we'll make it up. Uh, and please send in your questions. And with that, Peace. we're signing off. See you next time. See ya. Cue the music. <laughs>